We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast. I'm your host, Madison Hadler, coming from you live in my friend Alicia's apartment floor. (laughs) Um, As you guys know or don't know, I moved up to Kansas City, Missouri to start a new job, and right now, I actually just got the keys to our new house today, but in the meantime, I've been staying with my friend Alicia because she's amazing and I'm very grateful for her. So my makeshift podcasting station is on the floor currently because better acoustics and she's working from home and I don't want to bother her with my loud voice, you know? But yeah, I hope your guys' weeks are going well. Um, I know we have snow up here, so if you have snow wherever you are, I hope it's beautiful. And the worst part about snow, snow is good and I'd rather it snow than it just be cold. Like at least it's cold for a reason. But the worst part about it is just how dirty it makes your car. And it drives me nuts because my car is so dirty right now. But I don't want to go wash it because obviously it'll probably get dirty again because it's probably going to snow more. So that kind of sucks. And we're supposed to be moving like Michael Morgan are supposed to be moving up tomorrow and things like that. And Snow always kind of complicates that, but at least it's pretty for where I'm at now. So if you have snow where you are, I hope it's beautiful and I hope it's great. Um, Let's get to talking. So one of my goals for 2021 has been to read more books. And so far I've been keeping up with that goal pretty well. As you all may or may not know, I was a PiFi in college and our philanthropy is literacy. So with that, there are some alums who run a book club in each month they have a different book for january it was a book called upstream by dan heath i really wanted to get a part of this like little book club because it kind of holds me accountable to reading and it chooses the books for me i feel like i have a hard time choosing things and if people just tell me hey read this book i will have more it'll be more likely that i'm gonna read the book so for january it was upstream by dan heath And to be honest, going into this book, I really had no idea what it was going to be about except for professional development. And that's mainly because I could tell by the cover that it was not going to be, you know, a love story or anything like that. But most of the books, I just kind of automatically, um, I read this book through Audible and I kind of automatically just downloaded as many books as I could on Audible. So I didn't even have the chance to question if I wanted to read it or not. So that was one of those things. I didn't even read the description of it. I was just like, okay, I'm going to get it and I'm going to read it. I didn't really think about the term upstream and what it could mean in context of this book. But basically, the book describes different events, how-tos, and examples of upstream versus downstream thinking. But what does that mean? And that's what we're going to talk about today is upstream thinking.
upstream thinking focuses on preventative problem solving. In his book, Heath starts out with an example. You and your friend are by a river when you see a child drowning. You both dive in to save the child. But then another comes, and another, and another. You can't keep up. But then your friend swims back to the riverbank and says, I'm going upstream to tackle the guy who keeps throwing these kids in the water. So instead of fixing problems as they occur, like saving the children that were drowning in that moment, with upstream thinking, you go and try and solve them before they can happen. So going to tackle the guy or the person in charge of letting these kids drown. When I asked on my Instagram, about 48 people said that they didn't know what it meant and about 14 said yes. Some guesses on what it could mean were thinking like a salmon. Thank you, Michael, for that input. Seeking problems that will arise and making preventative plans, which all are somewhat true. Even the salmon thinking. I mean, you are going upstream thinking like a salmon. An upstream solution creatively addresses a problem at its source. While some situations call for sending help downstream to address an immediate problem, quote-unquote downstream solutions do not present a permanent or even semi-permanent fix. Especially in America, our love for instant gratification leads to thinking of only the things right in front of us. We tackle the symptom of the problem rather than finding and addressing its root cause. One thing I loved about this book is how many examples he brings to the table. Obviously, it's a long book about upstream thinking, so you kind of have to have some stories in there. But all of them really stink. <laughs> They're all kind of examples, not all of them, but most of them are kind of examples about, you know, the healthcare system and how it sucks in America and how doctors are trying to be more preventative about things like diabetes and things like that. But obviously, you know, the healthcare industry makes a ton of money off of things like that. So it's like, oh, well, do you prevent the problem early so that people are healthier and live a little bit longer and live a good lifestyle? Or do you let them get diabetes and then spend more money on healthcare, spend more money in insurance and things like that. So they're all super interesting, but a lot of them do come from the government and just kind of like our fucked up system. So I asked people on my Instagram story if they think that the U.S. uses upstream thinking and about 48 said no and about five said yes. Heath talks about some work that was done in 2004 in New Orleans this work was done before Hurricane Katrina, but it was to prepare for a catastrophic hurricane, a well-known risk in the area. FEMA got together many organizations to put them through a simulation called Hurricane Pan. This simulation was supposed to be the first of multiple events to prepare the community for disaster. All the officials invited worked together to map out responses to the hurricane. This series was unfortunately discontinued after FEMA said that they couldn't handle spending $15,000 in travel costs. So let's compare the data of Hurricane Pam, the fake hurricane, and Hurricane Katrina. So Hurricane Pam, there were 20 inches of rain. New Orleans was under 10 to 20 feet of water. 1.1 million residents were displaced. 55,000 in public shelters prior to landfall. Over 60,000 deaths and 36% evacuated prior to landfall. Now here are the actual stats on Hurricane Katrina. 18 inches of rain, 20 feet of flooding, 60,000 people in public shelters, 1 million residents displaced, 1,100 deaths reported, 
3,000 still missing, 80% to 90% evacuated prior to landfall. Kind of crazy how many similarities were there, right? On a fake hurricane. It measured up pretty comparably to Hurricane Katrina. While there were differences like the number of people who died, which was better, quote unquote, better in the in Hurricane Katrina than they had predicted in Pam, the similarity similarities are pretty astounding. FEMA complained about the fifteen thousand dollars and then a year later Katrina hit and Congress spent over sixty two billion dollars in spending to the region. Just let that sink in. FEMA couldn't think of spending $15,000 to learn how to better ha- handle catastrophe in the moment because they couldn't, they didn't think it would happen. They thought they were saving money, but damn, were they wrong. It's funny looking at this book published right before the pandemic really set. It was published on March 3rd, 2020, because it almost t- tells the tale of the government in the pandemic. He says, we spend the majority of our time and resources reacting to problems that we might well have prevented outright, like pandemics. Literally says it, word for word, says that. Now, obviously, there was slash is no way to prevent a specific disease from coming up, and it was no one's fault that COVID happened, but there are ways to look at how some upstream thinking could have prevented the millions of deaths, disparity, and poverty. One major down was the director of global health and security and biodefense being disbanded by national security advisor at the time, John Belton. John Bolton. Although some of its members just moved to different units, units, this pandemic focus group created because of the Ebola crisis during the um, Obama administration, this group could have been more helpful in preventing the spread. Not only that, but months of no real response led to the start of the spread finally, when finally a lockdown occurred. But I know in Missouri, it still wasn't enough. With some states only locking down for a month, the U.S. declared a victory as soon as they saw numbers going down and let people open up. Even with research showing helpful sources and proof that masks slow the spread, many states still didn't talk about masks until August and didn't put mandates in place until later. And a lot of places still don't have them in place. I know there are counties in Missouri that still don't have a mask mandate. And I will only mention this because it deserves its own, its own episode, but our lovely healthcare system. Obviously, if we had better healthcare systems, if we, you know, put our nurses and frontline workers first more and we listen to them and we listen to scientists, the spread could have been slowed down a lot sooner. Months of having it called fake and just a virus and a conspiracy led us to rush downstream problem solving and rising death rates, months of uncertainty, and more. Obviously, this is just a small description of upstream thinking in a global organizational change. Honestly, throughout this book, I kind of kept thinking of that one episode of Parks and Rec where they have the like simulation of it's like bird flu disease or something like that but they have that whole simulation and that's kind of what upstream thinking is it's thinking of all those problems that could arise before they happen and it's going to the source of the problem and figuring out okay if our organizational system or our government or our ceo or whatever it be 
knows how to handle this, then it'll go by smoother and we can get it over with. And of course, in a lot of situations, there's still going to be damage. In Hurricane Katrina, they obviously couldn't stop the damage. But having just a little bit of knowledge before, having that fake simulation before, I mean, helped them a little bit. It would have helped them more if they could have kept going. But obviously, we can't fix everything in hindsight. Hindsight's 2020. But that's kind of what it's about. That's exactly what upstream thinking is. So how does this kind of thinking affect you directly? Do you use a lot of upstream thinking in your life? There are about 26 people who said yes and 17 people who said no on my Instagram story. When I was reading this book, I kept thinking about how upstream thinking only really applies to corporations or governments. But then he started talking about upstream problems in people's daily lives. He talked specifically about always misplacing his laptop cord because he takes it with him places and forgets it when he comes back home. So then he doesn't have a charger. He said he would get frustrated and mad until one day he decided to nip the problem in the butt and buy a second charger. One to take with him and one to keep at home. A simple upstream solution that now saved him frustration and anger and you know, losing days of work. So I started thinking of places that I lack upstream thinking. Things that come cause me frustration more than once because I only think about the solutions that work short term. And I had a lot of trouble, mainly because I'm mostly a reactive person and I kind of just think of things in the moment and I'm not necessarily great at looking things at the bigger picture. But finally, as I was kind of writing this episode down and thinking about the book that I had just read, one came to mind. So I talked about earlier about how I recently moved for a job. I moved out of of a place that was my home for five years, Springfield. And you may or may not know that I'm a Taurus and I thrive off of stability and sameness. Change causes fear. Change is a big reason I started going to therapy, a big reason why I disassociate and get depression episodes and so on and so forth. Although I was and am so excited about the move, it was still a fear that I was going to fall apart, a fear that the change would get to me and that I would hate it and regret everything I ever did. So without even my knowledge of upstream thinking, I thought of solutions to combat this potential depressive episode. I created a routine that I could keep with no matter where I was. I focused on my skincare, on putting sunscreen every day, on reading every day, on working out, on drinking water. I focused on the things that I can control even through the change. Stable things that will keep my Taurus self calm enough through the uncertainty. And it worked. And I remember talking to my therapist about how I was nervous about moving because obviously, you know, big change. And also, first quote-unquote real job out of the pandemic and kind of in my life. So I remember sitting down and talking to her and being like, I just don't want to freak out. I don't want to get sad. I don't want to get depressed and all those sorts of things. And she was kind of helping me come up with ways that I could cope through that. And one of the things was that I wanted to focus on in 2020 anyway, but also just through this move is that myself focus on the things that I can control, focus on the routines that I could create that would make me feel stable no matter where I was, no matter what was going on in my life. I can always put on sunscreen every morning. I can always brush my teeth every morning. I can always read 10 pages a day in the morning before I go to work. Those kind of things. And it truly did help me. Although they seem they seem silly and little, 
it helped me calm down a little bit. And although there was the normal sadness of leaving friends in places that helped me grow, when I started my new job and when I came to this new city, I didn't fall into a hole like I did when I moved to college. When I moved to college, although I made friends really fast and it was great, a couple of weeks down the road, I just fell into a pit. And I that was when my dissociative episodes were so huge. But I didn't dissociate like I normally do. I focused on my routines. I focused on the things that stayed the same and embraced the things that changed. And that is upstream thinking, creating preventative solutions. It seems silly because, you know, a lot of the examples that Heath gives in his book are big astronomical astronomical changes in the way that we run healthcare systems and the way that we think about, you know, C-sections and things like that. But upstream thinking starts out with the small things. So where can we get stuck on this, though? Thinking that the solution has to be big or expecting huge results. One thing that he says is macro starts with micro. Anything you do is going to help, big or small. And any change towards the better is good, big or small. Another thing that can kind of affect you from or deflect you from seeing upstream solutions is problem blinders. Quote unquote, I don't see the problem. Negative outcomes are inevitable. They're always going to happen. Accepting the status quo and not questioning things that are going on around you. If you just live life kind of ignorance is bliss, obviously you're not going to see a problem. And if those things don't affect you, you're obviously not going to see the problem. Another thing is a lack of ownership. You know, that's not my job. Being comfortable with the way things are. Huge in organizational change. It doesn't affect me, so why should I do anything about it? But can go into your own life too. You know, not accepting of your own mistakes. Not realizing, you know, hey, maybe those things that I did probably caused me way more harm than good. How can I look at that? You know, a lot of the time we do things and we're like, and your feelings are valid, obviously, but there are some situations where I've definitely done things that I'm like, wow, I truly just made that situation worse for myself, didn't I? Another problem is tunneling. And he talked about this a lot with um, nurses and in healthcare because obviously nurses do so, so much and they're so entrenched in everything that goes on. So when they, you know, when a problem arises, they just, you know, fix, the, fix it, find a solution for it fast because they have to keep on going with their job. It's like a, the fact that you can't deal with the problem right now and little problems mask the bigger ones. Like when you forget to buy something at the store and all of a sudden you have a mental breakdown. But you know it's not just because you forgot something at the store. It's because you've been ignoring a bunch of feelings or, you know, your job sucks or whatever it is. A lot of the times when you're tunneling, you revert to quick fixes and you fall in love with the cycle of, oh, it's broken, so I'm going to fix it now and I'm not going to look upstream and see how I can get it from breaking ever again. Thinking upstream is something that requires critical thinking, especially in your own life. It requires that you think completely different. One thing that he says that I absolutely loved is the need for heroism is usually evidence of systems failure. I think that's a big thing that we found with you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. We found these heroes and we praised them for speaking up and we praised them for organizing protests and things like that. And that's great. Obviously, they did a great things and it led to a huge movement. But we, in our society, we want a hero. We want to look for someone to save the day. But sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, 
those heroes are just fixing things that shouldn't be a problem that are a problem with the system things that we should be addressing from upstream just like you know Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s heroism was directly related to the U.S. failure to include everyone, a.k.a. racism. I always say this with my friends because it sucks to be aware sometimes. I wish I could be ignorant to problems in our world, but that, was, that is what is going to change our system. Heath said, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets, which is another one of my favorite, favorite quotes from this book. Which is why upstream thinking requires system change and change and why it's harder and more tolling on your mind. But it is the way our world is going to change. It sucks to admit that the system we've been living in for so long is flawed. And it just opens your eyes and <laughs> sometimes it sucks to be, I mean, I wouldn't say woke because that word makes me feel weird. But like, it sucks to realize that, like, capitalism is fucking awful and it's ruining our society, but yet want to, you know, go off Amazon and buy things every single day. But that is what's going to change the world. Don't be the save the day hero. Be the, we weren't the ones who created this problem, but we will be the ones who fix it. And I think that's something that is so adamant in our society and gen z and lower and millennials and lower is that we see the problems within the system it sucks because we have to be the one to open up the world and we have to be the one that fights for it but we are slowly but surely changing the world and we are putting people in power who can change the world we're putting younger people in power who share the same ideals and have experienced the world like we've experienced the world so upstream thinking is something that I would have never thought that I would have made an episode on and I never would have learned about it without this book so I highly highly recommend that you um, either read or listen to um, upstream by Dan Heath I honestly loved listening to it because it felt like a podcast and I love audiobooks too because I love podcasts obviously but it was so good because hearing him talk about the problems is so much more interesting than you know just reading it although I do wish I had a full copy of the book because there were so many things that I wanted to highlight and to remember but I highly recommend listening to it or reading it if you haven't yet and you know think about ways that you can kind of look into your life and see how upstream thinking might help you and might solve some of your problems it's hard because I mean as I said in this episode I literally had to look very deep but I know that there are things that I do that are upstream thinking but I know that there are things that I do that are not and that in the end cause me more pain than there was at the beginning so I hope this episode kind of cleared the air on upstream thinking and I hope that there's things in your life that you're like wow I didn't even realize that was upstream thinking but I was thinking upstream you know I was solving this problem from the get-go and think about ways that you can incorporate that into your daily life but also in your friendships and with your friends and with organizations and protests and whatever it may be so make sure that you guys follow me on instagram at loudmouthpod and email me if you want to loudmouthpod1 at gmail.com i have a patreon as well that is linked in the show notes i am 
so excited for I have so many fun guests coming up soon so I'm really excited and if there's ever a guest that you want to see feature or a topic that you want me to talk about please always let me know but make sure to follow me on there become a patron support me please um I love you guys so much have fun thinking upstream I'll talk to you guys later bye Thank you.